Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. CannabisRadio.com presents Grassroots Marketing on location, featuring exclusive one-on-one interviews with those impacting and evolving the cannabis industry. Now, let's go on location to Seattle, Washington, and our exclusive coverage of HempFest 2016. Good day, tokers and toquettes and non-toking lovers of liberty. Radical Russ backstage at the 25th anniversary Seattle HempFest. We've run into Elise McDonough, the edibles editor at High Times Magazine. How you doing, Elise? I'm doing great. It's a beautiful day here at HempFest, and I always just love being part of this community up here. People are so welcoming and so friendly. It is. It's like the family reunion, and it's the 25th one. How many of these have you been to? I have been to like three or four over the years, and of course, yeah, I missed last year's torrential downpour that you just mentioned. Yeah, there's a guy building a hemp ark last year. It was amazing. <laughs> It's tough to run events, and it's tough when you're at the mercy of the weather, and so that I hope it bounces back this year and people donate and uh, help help fest out of the tight spot that they're in right now. Yeah, it's tough when you lose a whole day, one-third of your fundraising for an annual event, and on top of that, they lost their presenting sponsor this year. That's another 50000 they've got to make up. So, folks, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, man, I want to go to Seattle Hemp Fest someday, well, you better kick in because <laughs> this costs money to put this on. Because someday is now. That's definitely true. And, you know, there's a big misperception that, you know, HempFest, oh, it's so big. It's been going on for so long. You know, people kind of take it for granted. They, yep. they think it's, oh, they must be doing fine. They must have, 
be rolling in dough, and it's just not the case, you know? Every year is just scraping by, you know, by their fingernails to make it. And a lot of people donating their own time and money, in some cases, to make this continue. So check out hempfest.org. There will be a way to donate. You can also go to gofundme.com slash keephempfestalive if you want to donate. Now, Elise, we know you from your cookbook that you've got out on on cannabis-infused cooking, and you're the editables editor at High Times. This is an area where, as legalization happened, it kind of caught everyone by surprise how much people would be into edible products. Give us your take on the past four years in the legalization era and how the edibles world has exploded. The edibles world has been a very interesting example to watch because what people sort of didn't realize, you know, what the squares out there sort of didn't get was that it is a powerful psychedelic when it is consumed and ingested. And it took people by surprise because of the intensity and duration of the high and because people are so ignorant of how to use cannabis they don't understand what a proper dose is or how it will affect them and how long it takes to take effect. So I think that the most important thing is just to constantly repeat the mantra of go low and go slow. Start with a low dose. Remember that it's going to take at least two hours for you to feel it. So don't eat more because then in four hours, you're going to have a kind of an avalanche of, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, blissful effects. (laughs) (laughs) I would say take your small dose of edible and watch a movie. Most movies, hour and a half long. You know, and then maybe give yourself a little time and then figure out where you want to go. Then it's a double feature, most likely. Make it a double feature. There you go. <laughs> and that's been the interesting thing to watch is because growing up in our society, alcohol is absolutely everywhere. We are awash in alcohol. You learn from example as a young person, you know, watching the people around you, how they drink, what to do, what not to do. And, you know, hopefully by the time you graduate from college, you've mastered that social ritual yeah and there's not really examples like that for edibles so people just don't understand how to use it properly to have the best time and another important thing to remember is like just because your friend can eat 50 milligrams and he's maybe you know weighs around the same as you that doesn't mean that you can eat the same Mm -hmm. dose because Mm -hmm. everyone's body is so different yeah absolutely i know i can toke all day and do my show and write my articles and everything's fine I'm at an event like this, and someone's like, hey, you want a cookie? No. <laughs> I need, my, my rule for edibles is I need a quiet space and a place to lay down. <laughs> and that's the best use for them, honestly. It's, it's something that's best enjoyed at home where you're safe and relaxed and can enjoy all those rejuvenating effects that edibles really do bring. And that's another thing to remember is that it's not necessarily a party substance. It is something that I find very meditative a great sleep aid and is a wonderful substitute for alcohol like there's so many people out there who they have to have a drink before they can go to sleep just to unwind just to relax Mm -hmm. and i think offering that choice and that substitute is a very very valuable function of edible cannabis Mm. you make a really good point about the getting the education on the norms of using a substance and when you bring up alcohol this is fascinating to me because I, I did some research the other day because that, that story came out about more teens are smoking pot than binge drinking. And so I thought, all right, well, let's look at binge drinking rates. And around America, it's, you know, 20%, 23 whatever it was, you know, one out of four something-ish. 
And then I looked at Europe. And the binge drinking rates among European kids are like two out of three, like 67, 70, 80 percent in some places. Then you look at their drinking age. Their drinking age for beer and wine is 16 in most places, 18 for hard liquor. And yet, they have less of the drunk driving accidents, less of the domestic violence, less of you know all the problems that we see. And some of the social scientists theorize it's because these young teenagers get acclimatized to what the norms are about alcohol, and then they don't, they're not like Americans that turn 21 and then boom, it's, you know, keg stand time. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's about learning from cultural traditions, from seeing how your parents are enjoying wine with their dinner, and then... Exactly. Like you said, if you're, you know, 15, 16, a European teenager, your parents are most likely going to offer you a glass of wine at dinner and you're going to learn how to consume it in an environment that is culturally appropriate. Whereas we don't really have that for cannabis yet. And I, I feel like, you know, people like us and our generation, we're sort of the generations who have come before us are showing young people that example today. Yeah. The other the other issue with the edibles has been a political one where our opponents have seized upon the increasing numbers of emergency room visits for kids that got into the to the edible got into the candy or whatever it might have been changes in the law in in Colorado can't have gummies that are shaped like you know people or animals or anything like that what are your thoughts on that the stats that are coming out people's fears about that and how our opponents might use it well, it is definitely more of a political controversy than an actual public health crisis. Mm. And I've done a lot of reporting on this for HighTimes.com, and I've followed the regulations you know, pretty closely. And so what's happening now is that they've restricted certain candy shapes, mostly because they don't want people to mistake cannabis-infused foods for regular products. And so that bill was very narrowly focused to eliminate just things that imitate mainstream candy. Okay. You know, like people who are buying bulk candy and just spraying it with cannabis tincture. Mm, yeah. That's kind of a not the best representation of edible cannabis. Yeah. And so they they've really narrowly that's focused that. That's the Spicer that. K2 of <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, of gummies. <laughs> I, I wrote a whole article about it on hightimes.com called Are THC gummy bears worth defending? Because is this really the best format? Does it inherently attract children? Are there any reasons why adults must have a gummy bear that looks just like a regular gummy bear? Is that something that we're prepared to defend and is that the best use of our time? Yeah. And so, you know, as it continues to evolve there, they're also going to require everyone to stamp a diamond-shaped warning that says THC on every single product. (laughs) So that it's identifiable as containing THC, even when outside of its packaging. Yes. But it'll do nothing to solve this problem of accidental ingestion by toddlers, because toddlers will put anything in their mouths. They'll eat batteries. (laughs) They'll eat Tide detergent pods. They'll eat makeup. And all of those things are much more dangerous than cannabis. And when you look at the stats from the poison control centers... The overall amount of cases from accidental ingestion of marijuana are still very, very low compared to the amount of products that are being sold in Colorado. Yeah, I I laughed while you were discussing that because when this first became an issue, I kept advocating, saying, look, if you want to keep the kids or to let people know that it's a pot-infused thing, shape it like a pot leaf. Mm -hmm. Pot Pot-leaf-shaped gummies or stamp something that looks like a pot leaf. No, no, we, we can't use the pot leaf. That would be promoting marijuana. So instead, they're going to go with a diamond with THC in it that you're going to have to teach a kid what that means. 
it seems counterintuitive. Yeah. And it really is less about protecting children than it is about trying to roll back this law that the prohibitionists don't like in the first place. Right. So they're seizing on this controversial issue mm-hmm. in order to attempt to make all marijuana use look bad and yeah. trying to stuff us back into that closet where people are not going to go. Yeah. And another important thing to take into consideration is that if a toddler accidentally ingests marijuana and goes to the children's hospital or you know whatever facility they visit, no one is taking any data collection to find out if the product that caused that hospital visit originated from a licensed producer or a black market mm. making your own homemade brownies. Yeah. So there's really no way of knowing how much of a problem this really is. Right. More data is always a good thing, if you ask me. And I think, you know, you mentioned that they're chipping away at our our newfound freedom. I've, I've compared the, the place we're in right now is kind of, I call it like the TARP era, like what they're using with abortion providers, the target abortion, whatever that stands for, where they know they can't overturn Roe v. Wade, so let's force them to have eight-foot hallways and, you know, whatever ridiculous measure to try to make it impractical. Just lots of red tape, lots of regulations, and in Colorado, especially constantly changing regulations so that as soon as you've you know, retooled your business practices to adjust to one new set of regulations, all of a sudden, a few months later, you have to go through that process again. Yeah. It's very burdensome, and a lot of people can't afford to make these changes to their labeling, packaging, what have you. And it just makes the cost of business, you know, much, much higher and much more difficult. Yeah. If we, are, if we ever want to get to the world of the uh, $20 ounces, <laughs> we have to get past all this red tape and constantly changing laws. It'll be a constantly evolving situation. And as we're seeing here in Washington, you know, the legalization that happened here wasn't really what everybody wanted. A lot of people are very unhappy about it. So it's only the beginning of this struggle to move forward and to continue to push for the legalization that we all want. And it's just, it's going to take a long time. And so I hope that people have the patience and the fortitude for that process. Elise McDonough is the High Times Edibles editor, and you've got a cookbook out. Tell people about that, where they can find it and such. Yes, I'm the author of the High Times Cannabis Cookbook, which is available on hightimes.com at our head shop or through Amazon. I also see it in a lot of bookstores these days, so it's still out there. I'm also the author of Marijuana for Everybody, which is more of a general guide about cannabis and cooking and all sorts of things about the plant. And both of those books were published from Chronicle Books. Fantastic. All right. And, of course, HighTimes.com, we can find your writing there as well. Yes. Every week there's a new recipe column on HighTimes.com. And you can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at EliseMcD420. All right. E-L-I-S-E-M-C-D-420. And it's so good to see you, Russ. And I hope you have a wonderful Hemp Fest. All right. Stay cool. And we'll be back with more here from Seattle Hemp Fest. Take it easy. Thank you for listening to this edition of Grassroots Marketing on location, only on CannabisRadio.com. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. 
With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.